Beyond Athletics, episode 24. I just didn't fight until the end, like truly fight. I was there, I, I was competing, I, I was running on the court, but I wasn't really fighting because I was actually scared. You might be smarter, your daddy might own a company, but you will not outwork me. This one right here is for the people. I'm your host, Ryan J. Owens, current pro athlete, entrepreneur, and former USA national team volleyball player. I will not be defined by my athleticism alone, but I've learned how to leverage it, to stay passionate about it, and prepare for life. That's why the Beyond Athletic Podcast was born. I'll bring you case studies of current and former elite athletes making it happen in life, as well as tips and lessons from top sources in sports, nutrition, fitness, entrepreneurship, and more. I'm here to tell you that you are Beyond Athletic. Greetings, everyone, and Doberdan to all of my Balkans listeners. Listen, today I've got a tennis guy on, and I'm happy to say that this is the third sport that we've gotten into. This was recorded close to New Year's, so there are a couple more tennis people coming up. I'm recording one just tomorrow also with a female tennis player who is also now into coaching in the U.S. And today with Dino Marzan of Croatia, we get into a lot about how the will to be great is bigger than just talent alone and how giving 100% without fear of failure is super important and one of his biggest lessons in life so far. We talk about how focus on progress and not on the outcome is vital to being successful. We get into how psychologists should not be thought of as, oh my God, you have to go to psychologists, there's something wrong with you. You know what, there's something wrong with pretty much every one of us. But the great thing about this is that he talks about how psychologists are just part of the team, just like your physical trainer, your coach, everyone. They're part of the team, they're gonna help you get better. We also talk about how sometimes others can help you see your accomplishments when you really can't see it. So those small steps along the way actually are bigger than they seem and they're very important. So goal setting and hitting those are super important. We talk about why he decided to take a US college scholarship to play and then decided to go pro after a year and how he was the highest recruited player of 2009 in men's tennis for US schools. So lots to get into today. If you like it, make sure you tweet me, Ryan J. Owens. So that's at R-Y-A-N-J-A-Y-O-W-E-N-S. And make sure you're subscribed so you get all of the new episodes. You can subscribe. There's apps on your iPhones, your Androids, your Windows phones that uh, you can get iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn. I've got it up on all three of those. And if you would just leave a review on any of those, it would help people find us. And that review could be something that we could work on or something that you loved about the show. And if it's a five-star review, I'm definitely going to share it online just to give you some more thanks. And if it's something that needs to be changed, then I'll probably end up emailing you and thanking you or on air thanking you for that. So anyways, without any further ado, 
I bring you Dino Mozart. Ryan J. Owens here, and welcome to the Beyond Athletic Podcast once again. Today's an athlete case study where athletes learn to go above and beyond. Today's featured guest is Dino. Is it Marcan? It's Marcan. Marcan, I love it. And you, you, you don't put the little accent because it's hard to find it usually in Latin, right? No, no, no. This one is a clear C with no accent. Ah, so it's like my Serbian is getting in the way of my Croatian. Huh? <laughs> it's basically the same language. Dino, are you ready to help athletes around the world excel in life and sport? Sure, why not? Awesome. Well, Dino is a current tennis professional on the ATP Tour. He was born in Rijeka, Croatia in 1991. He's currently living in Zagreb. He was number one in the country at under 14 years old. He was a champion indoors and outdoors at the U16, which is under 16 European team championships. He then went uh, on to IMG Academy in Florida, played all four Grand Slams for juniors. His best single result was a quarterfinal of Junior Wimbledon and winning the Roland Garros doubles. He then attended Ohio State University, which is close to me in Chicago, by the way, on a full scholarship. And then one after one year, he got to the semis of the indoor championships and the quarterfinals of the NCAA finals, as well as being named an All-American as a freshman. And then you went pro. And since, you've won four Futures tournaments and played at a bunch of challengers and ATP tournaments. And so far, your highest single ranking in the world is 289th. And then as doubles, you're 151st in the world. So that's just an overview, Dino. Why don't you take a moment to share just a bit more about you personally and expand upon where you are now in your sports career and your goals? Well, right now I'm around 500 in singles and 230 in doubles. And I was actually struggling a lot in 2014 with, with my results. I decided to play stronger tournaments in order to um, compete at a higher level, even though I didn't get a lot of points. And, and that's why my ranking dropped. And uh, somewhere at the end of the 2014, I started to gain good uh, results in, in doubles, just like I did in 2012 when I had my highest ranking of 151. So I decided that in 2015, I'm going to focus more uh, to the doubles. And uh, I have uh, my partner in doubles right now. Uh, and his name is Antonio Šančić from Croatia. So in 2015, I'm hoping to get a good ranking in doubles and hopefully play in uh, New York at the U.S. Open in doubles. Once in a while, I wish you plenty of luck with that. And I know what it's like to get a little bit down in your sports career, let's say with your results, and then have to work your way back. And a lot of people out there listening might not even be athletes. And so what I love to highlight on this show is that so much more goes into what we do to prepare for our results than people exactly. ever see. They never yeah. see it. And so today we're going to get a little bit into that. But, you know, before we get into today's topics, like these lessons from your failures and your low points, like you mentioned before, and then your some of your triumphs and, and most proudest moments, could you share a favorite quote or mantra that you believe in? Well, um, I like uh, I like some of them. I even have a tattoo on my 
armed with, with some of the quotes, but one of my favorite would be, uh, it's the will of the man ain't the skill of the man. Uh-huh. And what does this mean to you? Well, it basically tells me that even if you have a talent and even if you're a good player, you need to work hard in order to, to get to the top because we are in a 21st century. There's so many guys uh, sacrificing, uh, giving a lot of sacrifice and they're all working hard. And even if you are the most talented guy in the world, you still need to work hard in order to get to, to the top because it's impossible in in modern sport to to just rely on the talent yeah i that resonates with me buddy i can tell you that right now and see it so often you know athletically gifted athletes can only get so far but then you have the larry birds of the world and the the other athletes that weren't so gifted let's say athletically and they end up being some of the most legendary athletes in the world so great quote and what are you most grateful for today? Not generally in life, but like as of today, what are you most grateful for? Well, I'm grateful for all the respect that I get from the players. You know, um, in November 2014, like what, two months ago, uh, I was attending the, the ATP World Tour Finals in London. I was there as a sparring partner from one of the ATP's uh, partners, which was Technofiber. And I was there to practice with the guys and and be there to prepare them for matches. And there was top eight players in the world who really spent a lot of time with me. And with some of them, I used to practice as a junior, so they didn't see me for five or six years, but they remembered me straight away. So this respect that I get from the one of the best athletes in the world, it, it, it really makes me feel well. Yeah. I love having uh, athletes that come on and really just any guests share what they're most grateful for because sometimes it's really important that we remember, you know, the people and the things yeah. that help us get to where we, we've gotten so far. So, And to, speaking of these people, we all need coaches and mentors in our life. That's how we're going to get to the top, right? Exactly. You need a team around yourself. It's impossible to do it on your own. Yeah. And this is, this is really important, not just in sport, but also in life. So could you just highlight who was, let's say your biggest mentor so far in life and sport? And it's okay if they're different. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough to, to, to just take one person out because I had different uh, coaches, but um, I, I have to mention a few of them. Uh, First of all, there was uh, Goran Perpic, and he was uh, number 16 in the world. He has a bronze medal from the Olympics in Barcelona and so on, so on. Uh, he was one of my coaches. I really learned a lot from him. Then again, from Nick Balateri when I was when I was practicing in IMG in Florida. Then uh, again, I spent 16 days last year in Dubai practicing with Roger Federer. He also had a huge influence on me. The, the, some of the advices that I got from him, his coach, Paul Anacon. And finally, now in, in, in London, I spoke to Boris Becker and he also gave a few really great advices. So I, I have to take all these people and they all influence my life and my career. Yeah, I love that. And so a lot of these athletes, I mean, and these coaches, they weren't just giving you what you're saying is advice for your sport, but also for your life. Exactly, exactly. So I'm really thankful for this. And those are just the guys that I 
actually met and and those are the guys who are all tennis players but i also read the autobiography from muhammad ali and from uh, michael phelps and, and the other great athletes and and really it's it's really motivating I, i would suggest those autobiographies to to all the athletes especially young athletes coming up uh, thanks for sharing that and i'm definitely going to link up to those ones you just mentioned and For people listening out there, autobiographies, some of the most successful people not only in sport and in business but in life, they recommend time after time autobiographies of other people that they've studied and they've learned so much from. So, those are great tips. Now, we're about to dive into the positive stuff soon here, but first okay. let's learn a little bit more about how someone like yourself could have failed or stumbled or hit some obstacles like you mentioned. And why don't you just share one of the biggest struggles or failures with us? Take us back to that moment and let's hear a story. Well, the one that I really remember the most that the one that really hurt me was um in 2012 when I had my uh, highest ranking. At that moment I was uh trying to catch the qualifying of the US Open. So the last tournament that I was uh, able to get points uh, which count for 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 qualifying of the US Open was um, in Romania. It was 2012, I think it was July and I was playing in Timisoara. It's a mm-hmm. it's a pretty nice town in in Romania and I was playing second round and if if I would win that match, I would be 90% sure to play in the qualifiers of the US Open. And it was a long match. It was a hot day, and uh, after three and a half hours, I lost seven six in the third set. So it is the closest score that you can lose, and it really got me down. And from there on, I didn't make it to the U.S. Open qualifiers, and from there on, my my ranking started to drop, and I was actually never able to to get it back there. And it really really felt bad. No. And what's something that you realized about yourself from that moment now that you can reflect back on it? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you realize that the most important things in the world are not playing the US Open or being 290 or 250 as long as you stay healthy and as long as you make your life um easy for yourself in order that you are happy with what you are doing. Uh failure can be a really really small part of your career. Yeah. And if you were to let's say think about some of the because that was a catalyst let's say for this little slide or whatever in rankings because I do agree rankings they're really not important. I yeah. mean if you worry about the process to get where you want to be then you're going to get there. It's just Exactly. You know, it's exactly. a matter of time. So what would you say because something maybe psychologically because you you've been pretty healthy you, i guess you're saying what psychologically do you think changed in that moment the moments leading up to like this little slide down and what's different now that you've taken away from that whole lesson to move forward well the different is that now if if i would fail like this it wouldn't be such a tragedy i would get over it sooner and um maybe it wouldn't be such a drop after the failure. Mm. Now that you've shared one of your struggles with us, I'd like you to take us to a time in your sport where let's say one of your worst fears or okay, just a normal fear, you know how it is as an athlete. We all we have those times where 
fear of maybe failure or fear of uh, just expectations being too high for us, et cetera, et cetera. They might creep in. And could you just take us back to a moment where in a match that you might have made a key mistake or an error or, or you just didn't do something because of some fear? Well, it happened to me, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but I had a I had decent amount of matches where I just didn't fight until the end, like truly fight. I was there, I, I was competing, I, I was running on the court, but I wasn't really fighting because I was actually scared to win. I was actually scared to, to give my 100% and fail. So, I mean, after I realized what I'm doing, because at this moment, you're not aware of what you are doing. You think that you are on, on court competing, everything is all right. But then later when you finish the match and when you honestly talk to yourself, then you realize that was not your 100%. And when I started working with some um, sports psychologists, we, we realized that there was actually a, a fear from failing and giving 100% of yourself. And then by working with them, I, I started um, competing 100% and, and don't care how, what, what, what's going to be the outcome. As you mentioned, uh, I started focusing on progress and not about the outcome. Yeah. I love a couple of things I just want to point out in that is that you mentioned reflecting which is really important for athletes. It's really, it's so important that we reflect on not just our matches, but our trainings. And then you also mention a sports psychologist, which is fantastic because it's so important that we all stay healthy and you don't have to feel or be unhealthy to go get advice because you just got to look at them as mentors, you know, because they're just going to help you out with another part of your game. That's the biggest mistake that, that all the young athletes are doing. They they think that if they're visiting the or working with with the psychologist, that somebody going to tell them they're crazy. Which is, I mean, we have to face it. It's complete rubbish. I mean, psychologist is is a part of the team, just like a tennis coach or a physical coach or a nutritionist. He's here to make you better. And as long as you have room to to improve your team around yourself, do it get as many people as you can to help you because every single advice can be really helpful. I love that. Get as many people around you as possible because all advice can be helpful. So, and that, and that the key in that is that you surround yourself with great people. So make sure you seek out the best people you possibly can. Now we talked about your failures and some of your fears. Now I'd like to push it forward. Let's talk about something a little more positive. Like, What's the biggest light bulb moment of your life where you just realize, for instance, like the direction you needed to go or the things you needed to do to get to where you wanted to be? Take us to that place. Well, I would I would mention Junior Roland Garros when 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 I was doubles uh, Roland Garros Junior Champion. That was one of the most proudest uh, parts in my career and life in general uh, because at that moment. Uh, it was just a tournament that I won. But when I got back home, when I saw all the press around me and, and all the media talking about it, then I realized, wow, I mean, I really did something big here. And even today, that was 2009. So even now, six years after this, it's, it's a junior Grand Slam. It's not a professional Grand Slam, but still there's so many people 
coming to me who who they didn't know me uh, personally, but they come up to me and say, "Oh wow, you were the Roland Garros uh, doubles champion." So it was part of my career where where I realized, okay, I, I really might make something in my life in this sport. I, I really could do it, you know. And um, unfortunately, I didn't go for doubles 100% because I was pretty good in singles. So it was tough for me to to give up on singles to go for doubles. But my partner back then, uh, with who I won uh, the Roland Garros, he continued to pursue his doubles career. And uh, right now he's uh, number 27 in the ATP doubles ranking. And he lives a pretty good life, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. I love that you mentioned, like some of the things you mentioned in there, that your proudest moment was also your light bulb moment where you just went, wow, this is something that I actually am really, really good at and that I should exactly. be pursuing. Yep. yep. And Definitely. I like how you mentioned, I mean, some of the things that were catalysts for that were people who would come up to you and acknowledge you for something that you accomplished. And I'd like yes. to point out that not only can this be a great like inspiration to move forward with what we do, but this should also be something that we kind of take the same as the negative, let's say, things when people, when they, they have something bad to say about us. Like, let's say when you have like a little bit of your slump, somebody might have been like, hey, Dino, what's going on? <laughs> and you could yeah, be like, yeah. I just want to remind people out there that while these things can be inspirational, they're all worth just about the same because all that matters is what's inside of us. So some of these things help us listen a little bit more to what's inside. And that's key that we listen to that driving factor inside. So thanks for sharing that. And I don't have to ask you what your proudest moment is now because you just gave it. <laughs> so let's yeah. just, let's talk about why you chose to go to a U.S. school. Well, um, I was, I was high ranked junior i was uh, number 24 in the world in the junior rankings and i could have been better ranked but i decided to stop playing uh junior tournaments six months before my junior career was over because i wanted to compete on the atp level uh so at that point i knew that this transition from juniors to to professionals just like in any other sports it, it's the greatest obstacle uh in sport and I knew that I needed a lot of money and a lot of good people in my team to, to make a progress. And I wasn't sure if I'm ready to make to make it that fast. So I was the highest recruited international tennis player in the 2009. Mm -hmm. So I basically could have just pointed with, with a finger where I'm going to uh, start my college career. I really, I had the offers from all the top schools and um, I chose the Ohio State because they had a good coach. They still do. He's the same coach. And he was doing a great job in Ohio State. They had a good team. Uh, even Andrew Agassi <laughs> emailed me saying, oh, you should take Ohio State. And um, okay, they did a really good recruitment and they promised me maybe <laughs> more than, than they could accomplish. But um, I said, okay, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to go there, see how it goes. If it's the right thing for me, I'm going to push it until the end. If not, I can go pro in, in, in at any point, you know. So uh, it was a good transition. And it still is a good transition from juniors to professionals and to the young players out there. I mean, it 
if you are not 100% sure that you have the right things to make it fast, if you if you really are not sure that you can be top 100 in the next one year, go to college, take one, two, or three years off. It's it's a great transition from, from juniors to professionals. That's why I, I attended The Ohio State University. Yeah. And just quickly for us, why don't you highlight the differences between tennis, let's say, in Croatia, where you're from, and the opportunities that gave you for transitioning to pro, and then also the school educational system, and well, uh, the U.S.? Well, the school uh, and educational system is, is it's actually pretty good in Europe, so this is not a problem, but the problem is that to um, compete at some good sport level and, and do the education in Europe, it's, it's almost impossible. So uh, the United States give this great opportunity to do these things at the same time. And basically you can finish your, your um, degree and go try to make it pro. If it doesn't work, you have the, the degree in, in, in your hands while in Europe, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, did you were you able to finish your degree? No, I actually um, quit college after uh, one season. And um, as I was the first uh, freshman All-American in the history of Ohio State tennis, they decided to uh, freeze my status so I can basically come back to finish the degree and help their team as a volunteer coach at any point of my life. So I always have this option opened. And um, I believe that it was a right choice to, to go pro at that point because college tennis was really not the best solution for me because I was used to travel a lot. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I was playing a lot of tournaments and traveling and, and changing places. And then to be... I wouldn't say stuck, but but when you are kind of stuck in in this routine, you have uh, class in the morning, uh, practice afternoon, and then finally you get to travel somewhere to play a match against some other university. You just get there, play a match, and come back. You don't get to see anything, and it was a really different style of life comparing to what I had mm-hmm. until then. Yeah, and I want to just be pretty specific about it though you were saying that it wasn't the right fit for you after that first year so the transition like it helped you to transition to pro but to go on with it at that point wouldn't be a good fit right exactly that that that's it yeah i, I, I might have uh say it different but that, that was the point yeah okay i got it all right great thanks for sharing and i wanted to just point out to people that you did go there on a full scholarship, which means the school pretty much took care of everything, right? Yes, they had uh, the healthcare system. The they, they really took good care of me. So while I was there, they, they made my stay uh, really comfortable. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned like being prepared for the future, you know, and having a degree to kind of lean back on just in case you need it. And also now, shining like you did as a freshman there and being able to get your status frozen there so that you could come back and add value yeah. with that team and maybe even study a little bit at the same time correct yes and yeah. that's um that's a really good thing because even if you go uh negotiate some job offers or anything uh, you know that 
if everything doesn't go well that you can come back you can you can live in in the united states that you can uh, get your degree at a, at a good at a good uh, university and still uh play tennis and and provide for yourself yeah that's a pretty amazing opportunity congrats on that so thanks Listen, speaking of this future and all of that, one of the real big reasons for Beyond Athletic, Dino, is that I just saw too many athletes failing at life. And by failing at life, I just want to mention that, you know, most pro careers, let's say especially the top the sports in the States, and, and I'm not sure what it is for tennis. I'd like you to tell me what that is. But for like NBA, basketball, NFL, all that stuff, it's about three to five years. And within two to five years of retiring, 60 to 78% of all of them will end up broke, divorced, or unemployed. And 36% or more will end up in trouble with the law. And so having a plan in place is just so, so important. And what's what's the stat, let's say, for average pro career tennis? Uh, well, I mean, in, in tennis, you can compete until you are at 3032 so basically it leaves you uh, a lot of years to play i mean a lot of years comparing to some other sports like gymnastics where your career is finished when you were 25 um one of the problems with, with tennis is that uh, especially in, in the eastern european countries is they is that they uh, take the kids out of school at the early age because they basically push their kids into tennis to secure themselves financially not because they really love the sports and love the competing that is one of the problems and that that's why those kids if they don't make it uh they stay without the education without any 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 knowledge about how the world works but on the other side the good thing about tennis is that once your career is finished there's so many job opportunities uh in for example in soccer you have one coach to the team of 11 players. So when you are done with, with your playing career, to, to find a coaching job is, is really tough. In tennis, there is one coach, one player. And there is so many stuff in tennis that you can do. Uh, there is so many country clubs where you work with kids and old people. And there is so many job opportunities in tennis. So that's why there's not a lot of uh, players who once they finish their career get in trouble with the law or or they stay unemployed or, or something like this. Yeah. And I just want to point out there, I mean, there are a couple things you talked about. And for tennis, though, it does matter that you do need to find source of funding. So this is something that could also hold you back, let's say. So that, that's a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. Being in school is also a great thing because you might you might really need to pursue that and you shouldn't just drop out just to, to go pro. And that doesn't mean that you can't continue your education you know there's uh so many different ways to educate yourself at a great level i mean you can take m these massive open online courses that are free i mean schools mm -hmm. like yale stanford harvard all these top schools around the world they offer free courses so it's not like you have to stop educating yourself so speaking of all this what's got you most excited these days in terms of your hobbies your projects your goals well especially i mean during december i have kind of Uh, the off season so I like to relax myself in in uh, playing soccer with my friends and and going for golfing so those those are the two sports that really excite me and I really like to do them for fun and um, 
I'm really excited about next year because um, I'm going to focus more in doubles, which was always my, my better side. I was good in singles, but better in doubles all the time. So I believe that I'm going to make some good results in, in, in 2015 in these doubles, and it really excites me. Uh, I love that. I believe you're going to do it too, man, because I can hear it in your voice. I can hear kind of the change, <laughs> the shift from when you talked about, you know, let's say the other things that bothered you in the past and it can really, <laughs> it shows that you're past it. You know, I love that because it's not an easy transition. So no, it's not, it's, it's really tough, especially for the guys who, who were, um, who were uh, having problems with, with, with the injuries. I was lucky enough to have just few minor injuries, but dealing with injuries is, it's really tough part. So I spoke to the guys who were recovering from the injuries and, it's really nice to, to, to see that someone is back from the downside, you know? Yeah, I know we spoke a little bit in the pre-interview about one of the guests coming up, uh, Bassam from Lebanon, yeah. and that he's uh, getting ready and geared up for one of his comebacks right now, too. So I'm, I'm, hoping... I'm really happy for him, and, and I wish him the good luck because he's a good guy and he's a great worker, and, and it must be frustrating to, to, to be holded back by injury, and I, I believe that he's going to do well. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dino, now we're at the point where we're going to give some tips, and I like to call this section your tip jar. So this is Dino's tip jar, and we're going to go through some of these, and I kind of want to just ask you a few questions and just get quite a quick fire answers back about each one. We're not going to go very in-depth. Okay. But what's the best advice that you've ever received? Wow. <laughs> that stuff. Uh, okay. Uh when nothing goes well, just focus on working your feet and watching the ball. And what's one of the first things you like to do when you arrive at a new arena to play? Uh, just hit 20 minutes down the middle. And what personal habit do you believe contributes most to your success into getting where you are today? Um, hard work. Love that. And in terms of hard work, I just want to like clarify that because a lot of people, like we talked about, they have no idea what athletes have to do. Exactly. Just walk us through what hard work means to you. Well, in the off season, it means uh, getting up at 7 a.m., having two sessions of two hours and, and one and a half hour more in the gym, watching what you eat, taking the protein shakes and then when you get to the tournament spending I don't know four or five uh, hours a day in the club thinking about the match preparing yourself and and it, it takes a lot of time off the court as well as on the court thanks for sharing and speaking of recovery and being prepared and all that good stuff it's super important that we get an adequate amount of nutrition and sleep uh, and just speaking about a couple of those things how long do you normally like to sleep and what's your morning ritual? And how early do you like to show up to training? Well, I have to get at least eight hours of sleep. Otherwise, I really feel the difference in, in the upcoming day. Uh, my morning ritual is I take a quick uh, and easy breakfast, like some cereal with yogurt or something like this, and uh, just pack my stuff and leave the house. So I like to show up. My perfect time is 10 o'clock. That, that, that is the time that I work the best. Yeah. 
I like that you mentioned the time you work the best because a lot of us, if we've played for a while, you start to learn, especially in these more individual or let's say you only have one other person or, or just a couple other people that can exactly. be flexible. It's really important that you work out at the time that's really you're most focused at. So Yeah, the older you get, the, the, the better you know your body and, and the more you learn about yourself. And you you always, whatever you do, you have to keep feeling what is the best for you so what time you work the best which stuff brings you the best feeling you always have to listen your feelings yeah i love that listen to your feelings listen not just as an athlete name one way that you like to improve yourself as a person i would like to be more uh clean in order of uh, keeping my room and, and my apartment clean and and putting this stuff in because in sports, I'm I'm really uh, disciplined, but around everything else, I really lack some of the discipline. So I would like to to take this sport discipline in into my personal life as well. Uh, this is a great lesson for people. You know, I'd love to share something with you now, and I know it's so annoying that we have parents that are just like you know, wash the dishes, take the trash out, blah blah blah. But one <laughs> of those things, I mean, all of those things are super important. I mean, I've lived on my own for a long time now, but the single most important thing I've ever found to help me stay in track, stay in tune with everything and just kind of get a nice start to every single day is wake up and make my bed. And I used <laughs> to hate when my dad would be like, make your bed, dude, make your bed. I'm like, oh my God, I'll make it later. But, you know, I found some actual, I was listening to some podcasts and anybody out there that hasn't been listening to podcasts, you got to check it out. You can learn about anything you want through podcasts and it's on the go. You can listen while you're washing dishes, watching TV, walking, working out, doesn't matter. But they attribute more success to the people who can wake up and make their bed. And you know why? Why? Because it shows you that you already accomplished something for the day. It's your first goal of the day. It actually makes a lot of sense. And I still have problems with this thing making bed as soon as i wake up and, and, and when i think about it, it actually makes a lot of sense yeah try it out and then tell me after about seven days what's up thanks a lot for, for sharing yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, i know you shared already one one way you like to kind of cross train or just kind of stay healthy in another sport with golf and soccer and how do you feel just really quickly those help you with maybe tennis well soccer uh, actually helps me with with my lungs because uh, when I get back on, on, on a tennis court, it's just impossible to lose breath. And then golf really relaxes me and, and kind of get me into the quiet place in nature where, where I can really work on my well-being. Yeah, I love that. It sounds like you're really working on a lot of things, man. I got to give a, a hats off to you for that because you don't see a lot of young athletes really focused on just improving themselves 360 <laughs> de degrees. So. Yeah, All right. Thanks. Now, everybody listening, I want you to remember that all the things that we're talking about, you can go to beyondathletic.com. And when the show notes actually are going to be there and they're going to have everything we talked about, they're going to have links to everything and even a couple things that we didn't talk about in the show that Dino recommends. Listen, Dino, I think you'd agree that adding value, like we talked about, is so important, right? Sharing your time, your knowledge, yep. and even your love. It's just important for people. And yep. this little section is at my little Beyond Athletic value, value Bombs, let's say. What book would you give away as a gift and why? 
Uh, if it's a tennis player, I would give the book of Brad Gilbert, Winning Ugly, because he can teach you so much about tennis and competing in sports in general. But if it's uh, someone else, I might think between two books, and one is uh, the autobiography of Muhammad Ali, and the other one is, um, what was the name? Uh, I think it was the, the Secret Down Under or something like this. It's about the woman who who went to Australia and then got, uh, it's not kidnapped, but she spent three or four months with, with, with the native uh, people of Australia and uh, traveled the whole desert of Australia without food or drinks or anything. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're going to have to look that up and I'll put that in the show notes also. How do you like to improve athletes and add value to their lives? Yeah, uh, I was actually helping some of the guys in now in December since I had some time off. So I was I was helping uh, two or no three young uh, young players and I really liked it because um, it really feels well to to help the guys and especially when you see their faces when you help them with something for example I had a lot of clothing contracts so I have a lot of clothes back home and I gave away I don't know twenty shirts and twenty shorts and then stuff like this to to, to a young player from Rijeka and he was a uh, the, just by seeing his face, how how proud he was that that I gave him some of my stuff, it makes it made me feel really happy. Yeah. So not only was it a win win for both of you, but I mean, he walked away with some extra gear. That's pretty dope, and some <laughs> yeah. skills, some skills that he didn't have before that, maybe too. So, of course, I stay in contact with with these uh, young players, and I always. Um, give them tips how they should prepare for the tournaments, which tournaments they should play. And uh, they even ask me, how am I doing? But I try to talk more about their careers and, and help them to go through this stuff. Because I remember when I was young, I didn't have nobody who was uh, playing the ATP tour or advising me which tournaments should I play or how should I prepare myself for the tournaments. Yeah, and I love that because any young listeners out there or anyone really, I mean, if you're in tennis or you're athlete just in general and you're looking for some advice on how to get better, how to get to the next step, we're going to be setting up through a nonprofit that I've started, Elite Sports Students, I've mentioned it before, but we're going to be helping kids link with people just like Dino that can help them one time per month with answering questions via video. And I think, Dino, you're interested in working with us in some way, and that'll be great. So anybody that's interested, go to beyondathletic.com forward slash ESS. That stands for Elite Sports Students. And anybody interested in helping and possibly being a mentor for these athletes, go to beyondathletic.com forward slash help. So before we tell listeners how to connect with you personally, Dino, and follow your journey, I'm going to give you a do-over, okay? I'm going to give you a do-over in sport. And everything you know now, you still have it, but you're starting this sport all over again from exactly where you started before. But you also have this podcast with people like yourself and others, best-selling authors in sports and all that kind of stuff, nutrition. What would you do differently to set yourself up for success? Well, I would definitely have uh less moments of of desperation and and uh, depression and uncertainty and it would definitely help me to 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 motivate myself to see at the example of the other guys that they also went through it and they they got out 
of this and uh, I would definitely have much more uh, self-esteem and, and self-respect as a player. I love it. So you'd be part of the Beyond Athletic Nation. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> sure. Well, listen, Beyond Athletic, I know we talked a little bit about why I'm doing this, but I just want people out there to remember sport is just a vehicle on the road to life. It's just part of your journey. It's not the destination. And so there's so many lessons to be learned in life from sport and everything that you learn in sport applies to your life. Not only the way you educate yourself, but in business and personal. So listen, Dino, one out of five children from seven to 13 years old, they think that an athlete is their role model. And I gave you the stats on athletes. It's pretty grim. So being that, you know that you're on this show because I actually believe that you are a role model. And I think you've proved that through some of the things that you've given today. So knowing everything that we know and everything that we've talked about, what is your definition of an athlete? My definition of the athlete would be um, professional person. So the person who takes really good care of of their um, career, someone that you can rely on to who's going to be everywhere on time well prepared be a role model to to, to the young uh, kids and and young athletes and someone who can make this world a better place by using their popularity uh, to a good cause and someone who can bring great motivation to the world because for me there is nothing more motivating than seeing did you like the show leave a rating and review on itunes or stitcher.com so others will find us and share the love think of one person that could benefit and send them the link for this episode for more resources and tips go to beyondathletic.com or tweet us at beyondathletic i appreciate i like thank you for listening some parting pieces of wisdom because you've dropped a lot of little knowledge bombs and how listeners can connect then we can say goodbye I'm going to show you well, how uh, I have the Facebook profile. And this concludes our Chicago show. Please stay tuned. Personal as possible, so I don't accept any friend request from the people that I don't know. But the section for message, messages is always open, and I'm trying to answer every single message. So this is one way. And I have a Twitter account that has been... Um, kind of authorized by ATP. So this is really my account. You, you can see the, 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 the blue thing next, next to my username. And I'm always, always able to, to, to reply on the messages. And what's that handle for that? D-A-J-N-O-O-8. All right. And I'll link all of that up in the show notes. And, you know, I got to recommend to you, but you got to get an athlete profile on Facebook because it just makes life so much easier because they can <laughs> message through it and you can post everything that has to do with your sports career there. And then people can stop getting involved in your personal page because then you, you lose that personal touch with fans or followers or teammates. And that's so important that we have that. So just a thanks recommendation. For the, thank, yeah. Thanks for the advice. I think I'm, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, now, I told you a little bit about my goal, but I just want to put this out there. My goal is to help beyond a million current and future athletes to use sport as a vehicle, discover more about life and success, 
and really to leave legacies like Dino talked about, you know, helping other people doing good for the world is very important for athletes. So I just want to acknowledge you, Dino. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to acknowledge you for all the hard work that I know you've put in up until now, man. The struggles Thank you that very you've much. gone through. I, yeah. I appreciate it. I want to acknowledge you also for taking that shot, going over to the U.S., you know, doing something <laughs> that's so hard. You know, it takes a lot of guts to do what you've done so far. So thanks so much for all of that and coming on the show. And Thank I you. hope to stay in touch, bud. Sure, sure, definitely. Thank you very much.